When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. fans it is wednesday night here at behind the steel curtain and that means it's time for the curtain call podcast i'm jeffrey benedict i'm your host every week with me right over here shannon white (laughs) shannon how you doing tonight doing great just looking forward to the show all right and with us tonight to talk about the steelers uh Fourth round wide receiver, Calvin Austin the third, Kevin Fielder. Kelvin, Kevin, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing awesome, guys. You know, it's 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 a little hot down here in South Florida, just a little bit. Uh, you know, we haven't hit, hit peak summer, like 99 degrees. But, uh, you know, other than that, I, I'm, I'm doing awesome. Thanks, uh, th- thanks for having me on. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on. And we're excited today to talk about one of the more intriguing and interesting draft picks the Steelers had and Calvin Austin the third. Now, real quick, Kevin, how good is Calvin Austin the third? Uh, was he was he a, was he in Memphis? Is he like one of their top receivers they've had? Is he like oh he was our number one receiver for a couple of years? Where does he stand uh, in Memphis football for receivers? I I think he's near the top. You know, you, you look at a guy like Calvin Austin who's had two 1000 yard receiving seasons. You know, his first two seasons of getting actual, you know, real football times given that he he started as a walk on, uh, you know, didn't play much early on in his career and then it was really 2019 when uh you know when he started to get some playing time after uh you know one of their wide receivers suffered a knee injury 
Uh, and then 2020 and 2021, he was their, their, their guy pretty much, you know, every time that they needed a big play, it would be him every time they needed, you know, that, that energy to come on offense. It was, it was him. And he was, you know, flat out unstoppable at times, you know, even, even if he was a little bit short for the position, he was straight up unstoppable at times. It seemed like. It seems like the guys, his size, they either make it or they don't. It depends on their ability to break tackles. Like arm tackles. Like, you know, we've had the stewards have picked up guys in the past and they'd be running a, an end and a guy'd get one hand on them, grab their jersey, and they just go down. You know, and then you see other guys, they might be small, Darren Sproles or or Tariq Hill or somebody like that. And they got that power that, you know, if you just get a hold of them, that don't mean they're going down. They're going to keep they can pull away, in other words. Um how how was he? Did you see any of that? Did is he got I'm not expecting him to break a lot of tackles, obviously, at his size in the NFL. But if it's just a a, a weak one, you know, grab one arm tackle, is is he capable of breaking that tackle? I I thought he was. You know, I, you you kind of mentioned he's not going to break every tackle. He's not yeah. the six foot, you know, 190 pound receiver that teams somewhat you know usually look for. Uh, he probably weighed 160 in college at times. But mm. you know, what he what he lacked for in that that pure strength he was just as elusive as anyone on the field he had as much speed as anyone on the field you know the 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 cliche in the the nfl draft terms is he's quote-unquote quicker than fast he is he's 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 that you know he's quicker than fast he could straight up you know turn on the jets in two minutes and be you know 30 yards down the field without a problem uh you know when the ball got in his hands uh, i think that was really when he, he shined you know he would obviously he was a really good route runner, but when he got the ball in his hands, he was really able to make guys miss and create big time plays for Memphis's offense. Uh, you know, and he was particularly their, their kind of their energy guy where if you needed the big play, he was there to have it. So for, for Steeler fans, like if we were going to compare a guy with like high end straight line speed, like Mike Wallace, uh, that's not, that's, that's not quite Calvin Austin third. He'd be more of the Antonio Brown player who's who's shifty he's, he's slipping guys uh dodging tackles more than just boom take off and outrun everybody to the end zone he's kind of both you know there there were plenty of times where he was just straight up faster than everyone you know going straight down the line uh you know there there were times where he would be you know step to step with the cornerback and then you you'd blink and he's four yards of separation he catches the ball he wouldn't have to make a guy miss uh, you know, he was used a lot as like the vertical threat wide receiver, the deep threat. Uh, and he was just really dang good at it. Uh, you know, just flat out, he was able to just be faster, be more athletic, be more agile. And I, I think, you know, you talk about some some of these faster wide receivers. They don't all pan out. You know, as a Miami Dolphins fan, Mike Wallace didn't pan out for us, uh, you know, as a as as a deep threat straight line receiver. But there are, you know, what what he has is he has the all the other stuff that you look for with a wide receiver, the route running, the ability after the catch, the hands, the return ability. He's not just, you know, your typical, he runs a four, three. So he's really fast, you know, kind of wide receiver. And, you know, we'll have to teach him how to do everything else. He kind of comes in with somewhat of a base to where he can kind of contribute on a team immediately, as opposed to having to sit two or three years and, and learn how to play the position. It's a born and bred hillbilly. I'm a, you know, big mountaineer, Western Indian mountaineer fan. The Mountaineers had Tavon Austin back in the day, and he was a dominant force at college. And I thought that when he got to the pros, he it was going to translate. It didn't happen. Again, because 
you know, you have to have that extra speed, that extra gear to take the corner in the NFL uh, to get that separation. Um, that's my biggest concern is if they could get him, you know, get the defense flowing one way, get him the ball, you know, in misdirection. I think he's got that speed to take the edge. Did Was he used a lot in, you know, some, I don't want to say gimmick plays, but or gadget plays, or was he pretty much just straight starting wide receiver? I can tell you, no, he played in a lot of different roles. Uh, you know, when I was watching him at Memphis and then, uh, you know, as a, as a quote unquote draft nerd, uh, you know, who <laughs> likes to, you know, watch these prospects during the off season of college football and into the draft. The one thing that stood out to me was he played a lot of different roles. He was primarily Memphis's uh, X wide receiver, which means he was, you know, tethered to the line of scrimmage. He wasn't used in motion as much, but uh, you know, 2019 uh, you know, he, uh, given that he wasn't used as much when he first got in the field after the injury and made a big play against uh, if I remember correctly, it was Louisiana Monroe, uh, you know, two months later, he was being used as the energy guy. He was being used in certain packages where only he could do it because straight up he's one, he, he, he was one of the fastest players in college football. You know, when he got the ball in his hands, he was faster than everyone else. Uh, you know, and he, he has that natural gift for speed. He, uh, you know, he was a track star all throughout high school. And he was, uh, you know, he has, I think, three state or three uh, Memphis school records, uh, you know, in track, uh, you know, as a, as, as a part of their relay teams. Um, I will say in terms of separation and creating separation, I think the one thing that people sort of don't understand, and, you know, it's, it's hard because football is sometimes a very nuanced sport and that there are certain things that some guys do really well and other guys don't is, he was really good at the line of scrimmage of breaking presses. Uh, you know, he didn't do it the same way as other guys. He wasn't going to get really physical with you and, you know, just put, put your hands on you and push you down. But what he, what he was going to do is he was going to use his feet to manipulate the eyes of a defensive back and, you know, force the defensive back to think that he's running an out route or running a streak. And then he'd break back inside and he'd be wide open. That was something, you know, if you look back at the senior bowl highlights, that was something he did a lot during the practices that the senior bowl was being able to, you know, break inside quickly and have three or four yards of uh, uh, separation that most other guys his size wouldn't necessarily have. So you would, so you think in the NFL, you'd say he's probably going to be used on a lot of routes coming across the field more than like, those would be his stronger routes rather than, uh, than like straight vertical routes, stuff like that. It's, it's really hard to predict these five foot seven guys because I think the natural thing is you look at a guy who's five foot seven and 170 pounds and you go, yeah, I mean, he's a slot wide receiver. He's, he's not solid, tall enough to play as an X wide receiver in the, in the NFL, because, you know, in the NFL, all the cornerbacks are six foot two and freaks of nature who are, you know, who, who would be unicorns in college football. But I think if, if Matt Canada and the Pittsburgh Steelers offense wanted to really utilize him properly, I would initially start him off as sort of a shorter wide receiver, get the ball in his hands, let him try and make guys miss, let him make home run plays out of nothing. Uh, you know, I think that you can still use him deep. You, you can still use him deep down the field and he'll make guys miss. You know, he played NFL cornerbacks, uh, you know, particularly there's one game against Houston where he played uh, Demarion Williams and Marcus Jones, two guys who were drafted by the Ravens and Patriots uh, respectively. And he was able to make guys miss. And he, he was able to take these NFL cornerbacks, uh, you know, drafted early on in the draft and make them look silly at times. And there, there was one play in particular against Marcus Jones where he just did a quick little hesitation move and had two yards of separation against a guy who's going to, you know, potentially start at cornerback for the Patriots. So I, I think if you're talking about 
at using him properly early on. I think I'd use him, you know, more as in developing crosses, drags, slants, let him get open, let him make guys miss. And then, you know, when defenses are starting to focus down on him, then you can just hit, hit, hit the defense deep, you know, potentially with him or, you know, some of those other wide receivers on that roster. As Stiller fans, <clears throat> we've really yet to see Matt Canada's offense. <laughs> you know, we, we've had to go back and look at his previous stops in college because he hasn't had the personnel. Uh, I would like to see, based on some of his usage in the past, the way he used uh, Henderson, Quandry Henderson at Pittsburgh. It seems like Calvin Austin third is a is a great fit for that role. And I could see a place where they would have Harris and, and have Austin in the backfield and then motion him out. Without, he does so much pre-snap movement and try to create mismatches because, you know, that's where Austin is really going to shine. If you could get him, you know, kind of uh, scheme him open, scheme the mismatch. And, and you know, it's going to, at the very least, it's going to create so much havoc and concern for the defense that it should open up stuff for other players. And, and so that was – did you ever see him take any snaps out of the backfield? I, I couldn't tell you. I don't think he took many in the backfield since, you know, primarily Memphis have always had very talented running backs. You look in the past, guys like Patrick Taylor and Antonio Gibson have made it to the NFL. Uh, but I think he could definitely be used in that role. You know, I think usage and role is really based on frame in the NFL and can you play in the certain positions – I think that you will see him play sometimes as the, you know, as a start as a running back and then kind of shift into those slot wide receiver positions or, you know, even potentially further out wide. And, you know, then, then you'll see kind of quick breaking routes or street routes. I, I think you'll see some of that. I'm not sure if you'll see it as much as, you know, you saw with Canada uh, and, and Allison uh, at Pittsburgh, but I think he can definitely do it. Now, we talked a little bit about him running gadget plays and, and line up the backfield. Because one of the things I wanted to ask you about is his rushing numbers for his career. I looked them up because I was like, oh, did he, you know, did he run that stuff? He ran the ball eight times in four years, only eight times, but ran it for 169 yards and three touchdowns. So is, is this something that he like that that was just so foreign to the offense that teams weren't ready for it. it was he running things that were like similar to a gadget play but they were you know they were actually screen passes or they registered I know I know the Steelers have done it there they line up in shotgun and do a do a jet sweep but it, it counts as a pass because the ball leaves the quarterback's hand and goes forward are were there plays like that where he was used a lot in screens and little you know plays like that just to get him the ball quickly and have a block or two to let him work off of or, or was he really just used as an X receiver where he's out there and he's lined up and he's playing like similar, like Antonio Brown was for the Steelers. I, you know, he mostly played X wide receiver, uh, you know, in college, but you can't sit there and say that he didn't run gadget plays. And, you know, yeah. I think some of the gadget plays were like end arounds and, you know, different jet sweeps where they would count as passes or whatever. Again, those, those, the, the way they grade some of those plays is even foreign to me. Uh, you know, sometimes, but I, he's kind of really done it all. You know, he's primarily an X wide receiver who's primarily, you know, ran vertical routes or ran more deeper developing, you know, in routes and crossing routes. And really, I think at points, uh, you know, if you look at Memphis's offense historically and you look at it under Kevin John, 
Uh, John's their most recent offensive coordinator, even previously with Mike Norvell, who's currently at Florida State. A lot of it was trying to get the ball in your playmakers' hands and let them make plays. You know, sometimes football is as simple as if you've got an athlete, let's use the athlete and try and make plays with the athlete. And that was really the case with, uh, you know, Calvin Austin at times is he was the best athlete on the offense. So they had to find ways to get in the ball. And that would be in screens and, you know, end arounds and even just quicker, uh, you know, in, in a mesh pattern, you know, they, they'd use him as one of the the drag routes, just they pass the ball and he'd get open and, you know, we'd make three guys miss and he, we'd, we'd be talking about a 50 yard play on a three yard pass. And that's kind of what separates Calvin Austin from other guys is yeah, he can win deep, but he can also just catch the ball and straight up make guys miss in space. And that is kind of what takes him to that next level as a, as a wide receiver. There was one highlight I saw that he got the ball in an end around uh, misdirection play. Like I was talking about it. One thing I noticed about him that you didn't see out a lot of the receivers, the really fast guys this year, when he hits the seam, he doesn't slow down. If anything, he accelerates. Now, most little guys, when they go to hit that seam, they kind of decelerate just slightly because, you know, if they get kid, they're going to get, you know, blown up. He accelerates through the seams, and he took it the distance. The Steelers signed Gunnar Olkowski to be the new kick of punt return. But Austin has that ability especially when you consider that speed and how he will accelerate into traffic. Um, it seems like he had some return touchdowns for Memphis. Was he, did he have any issues with his hands as say a punt returner? Yeah. He had a couple muffs, uh, mm-hmm. you know, throughout his career. Uh, I think they were just kind of focused muffs where you, you mm-hmm. kind of lose focus for a minute and you just kind of muff the ball. So I don't know if he'll be primarily used as a punt returner or kick returner for Pittsburgh because, Gunner, oh God, I'm going to butcher his last name, so I'll probably just skip that for now. But, uh, you know, when you look at a guy like him, he's as safe hands as it gets as the kick returner, mm-hmm. front returner. And I think that's kind of why New England used him so often in that position is just because he catches the ball. And, you know, he might not take the ball 50 yards for a touchdown, but he'll just he'll he'll guarantee you that you get the ball. And that's sometimes as important. Uh, but I think if, you know, if Pittsburgh needs a big play on a special teams, there may be no better guy on the offense. There may be very few guys in the NFL who have that kind of potential with the ball in their hands to, you know, make a couple guys miss and really give your offense, you know, really good field position on plays. What one thing I wanted to ask you, and we we I think we talked about it a little bit before the show. If he was taller, right? If if Calvin Austin was five ten or even like six foot tall. Where, where would we be talking about him in the draft? Where would he have gone? Like, what, what would his ceiling be viewed if you take this exact receiver and you just make him bigger? Yeah, I mean, I think you, if, if you look at it, uh, Christian Watson, six foot two or six foot three, I don't remember what he measured into the combine, but he was super fast and he went early or kind of late second round to, you know, a team that desperately needed a wide receiver. And I thought, you know, when, when I was kind of looking at teams that needed wide receivers, the first ones that came to mind were the Kansas City Chiefs who had traded Tyreek Hill at that point. You know, uh, I, I thought the paid, or the Packers wouldn't really particularly be interested because they have kind of the, already those smaller wide receivers. Uh, but I, I looked at Kansas City and I thought, man, in the second, third round, there may be no better guy for them to take. And that's at five foot seven. If you make him five foot 10, five foot 11, and you, you say, you know, with his route running ability, his ability to create separation, his ability to, uh, you know, be really fast on his breaks and on his stems on, on routes, he could have probably gone first round. You know, if he had the same success that he did at the senior bowl 
And at the combine, uh, you know, he posted a 9.04 relative athletic score, which is through the roof for a guy at his size. Uh, I thought he could have gone first round if he was five foot eleven, and you know, you weren't looking at it and going, you know, he's too short to play uh, wide receiver at for some teams because some teams like the six foot two wide receivers. I I didn't see anything in his talent that would have said that he couldn't be a first round pick or even like a really early second round pick. I just like jump right. I'm sorry. I'll jump into it to, to add to what you're saying there. Uh, his, I did a thing comparing his uh, RAS score, his relative athletic score to Tyreek Hills and the big difference between them, like the big difference between their numbers was in the bench press. Yeah. Everything else, all his speed, his agility, his, his jumping, everything was like right there or better than Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill has just had a better bench press score. So that's that's what got him about it. And he weighed a little bit more. And that's the entire reason Tyreek Hill had a higher RAS score than Calvin Austin III. So I thought that was incredible. Yeah, Calvin Austin was, you know, if, if you're looking for a player comp, and I'm not going to sit here and lie to people and go, you know what, he's the next Tyreek Hill, pack it up. He's going to be arguably a top three wide receiver in football right now. If you're looking for a player comp and how you can use him properly and really have him execute in the NFL, Tyreek Hill is the perfect comparison. You know, you look at how the Chiefs have used Tyreek Hill, deep routes, breaking routes, screen routes. He's used in every certain situation. If you can kind of develop the rest of Calvin Austin's route tree, and I think that the Steelers can if you focus a little bit on it and, you know, just don't let him stick to what he's been doing consistently and just kind of say that's enough. I I think Tyreek Hill is a perfect usage comp. Again, I'm not going to sit here and try and tell everyone that, you know, he's the next Tyreek Hill, book it, you know, buy his jerseys now but he can definitely be very similar to that uh, i thought taylor gabriel of the bears was another solid comp in the fact that you know taylor gabriel for a long time was one of the better slot wide receivers in football and he was just flat out faster and he was flat out more athletic than a lot of guys and you know for a while there he just didn't get a role uh, i saw someone on twitter mentioned that you could use him as potentially like a Tariq cohen who's used in the backfield used in the slot i think you could see that as well you know, when you have a guy of his frame and his size, the possibilities of how you can use him is endless. It's really just up to a, an offensive coordinator be creative enough with him to put him in different roles. As you said, it's all about location, location, location. You know, where you go. I mean, Tariq Hill is a better professional than he was collegiate. Yep. I watched him in college, and I wasn't impressed. And a lot of people wasn't, obviously. And he gets into the pros – and he gets with Andy Reid and he gets with Patrick Mahomes and in that system, and he's perfect. He's a, you know, a weapon. Now I think that, you know, now can Canada do that same thing with Austin? You know, I'm not sure, but you know, like he was talking about his RAS score. If you look at it, everything is green. Everything is elite except for his height and his weight. So, you know, the, he's going to always have to get around it, but he says himself, he's got some dog in him. He's yeah. tough. And so for a guy to be able to play in the slot in the NFL, you know, and, and work at the middle of the field, you're going to have to be tough. Did you see a lot of that toughness? Yeah, I mean, Shannon, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. His senior year, uh, you know, for this past season, I believe it was uh, 2021, he was playing with a pretty bad ankle injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it. I believe it was an injury that could have caused him to miss some games. I believe he still ended up playing 12 games, started in 10 of them. Uh, but he was playing on a, an ankle injury that could have sidelined him. But, you know, if, if you watch the tape, if, if I put on the tape for you right now and never told you that he had an ankle injury, you would never know he had an ankle injury because he was still faster than everyone else. And, you know, ankle injuries can affect your speed, can affect how fast you are, can affect how you get to that top speed. 
I never saw a situation where he lost his top speed. If he wants to be faster than everyone else, he can flat out be faster than everyone else. But he is, he's, he's one tough mofo in, in a sense of like, he's not afraid to take a hit. He's, he's not afraid, you know, he might be five foot seven, but he takes a hit. He's, he, he's going to pop right back up. Like nothing ever happened. And that's, that's kind of what separates him from some of these other five foot seven guys is they shy away from contact. They'll run out of bounds. They'll, they'll go, Oh, you know, I, I don't want to get hit because it could be a really bad injury. He was never afraid. And, and I, I think that kind of goes back to him being a walk-on, you know, he never was guaranteed a scholarship. He, uh, he was recruited by Memphis to be on a track on their track team. Uh, but he had told Memphis that the only, the only way he would commit to Memphis is if he was also on the football team. And, you know, Memphis couldn't offer him a scholarship for football. So they, uh, they put him as a preferred walk on, uh, you know, 2019, he comes in the game, uh, you know, and he f- impresses enough to be offered the scholarship that same year, mid season. Uh, you know, you don't see that as often in college football, it's usually done at the end of the season, uh, you know, during the next spring camp, but he's tougher because I think just flat out, he never was guaranteed a role on Memphis's football team. Wow. No, that's, that is, that is interesting. Um, you mentioned a Taylor Gabriel. We've mentioned a Tyreek Hill. Would you would you say like a, a Taylor Gabriel type production, you know, where your second, third receiver on the team is kind of where he belongs? Or do you think he – do you think there's a realistic uh, chance of him being a number one receiver in the NFL, playing that X role, being the number one guy, being the focus of an offense? Or, or do you see him better off – being a guy that that kind of you know takes advantage of the space other players create i think in the nfl the realistic comp is going to be that he's going to be the wide receiver two or three on a on a team just because again if you look at the nfl not many five foot seven guys are wide receiver ones and tyree kill very well could just be a unicorn in the sense that you know he got really lucky in the right situation for him to develop and pittsburgh could very well be that for uh calvin austin but still if he's a wide receiver two or wide receiver three you look at the teams that have won Super Bowls, so many of them have had so many good contributions from the wide receiver two and the wide receiver three because if teams are going to key in on your wide receiver one, mm-hmm. you you, you got to have guys who are ready to ball out. And Calvin Austin is going to be a guy who's, you know, who can take a, take a play 65 yards for a touchdown and you just go, I don't know what just happened. And I, there were times when I was watching him in Memphis where he would, he would score a touchdown and I'd look and I'd go, I don't really know how he scored that touchdown, but, you know, maybe that's just him being faster than everyone else. And, uh, you know, I, I likened him to like Sonic the Hedgehog, Speedy Gonzalez. <laughs> I don't think he's ever, you know, taken like I don't know if there's ever been a play where he's been slow. Uh, you know, I think he's just flat out as good of an athlete as you can get. And I think that's why teams were so interested in him. I think that's why the Ravens were so disappointed when the Steelers drafted him before. Uh, you know, I think that's why plenty of teams had him on the draft board for the fourth and fifth round. Uh, and that's why I was shocked personally that he didn't go in the third round. I thought a team would have gotten interested in his production, uh, you know, and go, he's a better third round pick than some of those other wide receivers selected, but you know, he's a perfect wide receiver three in the NFL, a really good complimentary guy who you can use on gadget plays. And, you know, you can let him run around and, you know, just kind of make guys miss in space because that's kind of what the NFL is turning into. It's less about, you know, winning matchups. It's honestly more about getting playmakers into space and letting them make plays for you. And I think that's again, why Tiger kill has been so successful. I think that's why some of these other, uh, you know, running backs and uh, you know, wide receivers have been so successful in the NFL. I love the Sonic the Hedgehog comparison. That 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 now when I see him, I'm gonna think Sonic. The yeah, I mean that, the, that, that was, was, re- that was really thought. good. That 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 was honestly my first thought as well because again yeah. I don't 
I'll, I'll be very honest. I don't like making player comparisons yeah. and going, you know, this guy's going to be Tyreek Hill or whatever, because mm-hmm. so much in the NFL is based on what staff you land into. But I watch him play and I go, God dang, he's faster than every other guy in the field. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm watching it. I'm going, dude, you, you could put, I, I'm going to fix you could put him like the Autobahn in Germany and he could flat out outrun cars that are going 200 miles per hour. <laughs> that, that's how fast he was. And I was like, I was like, dude, I'm watching him play against NFL caliber athletes and he's outrunning them down the sideline. And, you know, you watch other fast wide receivers. I've watched a lot of fast wide receivers in my lifetime and I've gone, yeah, you know, he's really fast, but he's not that fast. Yeah. And you, yeah. you watch Calvin Aston and, you know, if, if, if I, if someone told me he was a burner, I'd go, yeah, okay, let me see it. I'd watch him. And I'd go, holy crap. He is faster than everyone else on the field. And you could tell that on the first play you turned on in a game because he would outrun a guy down the sideline. He might not get the ball, but you'd go, yep, that's that's Calvin Austin. And that there were plenty of times where if you didn't mark who he was on the field, I'd watch the play develop and look for the guy who was 50 yards down the field sometimes, you know, with a guy two yards behind his back, and I'd go, yep, that's Calvin Austin. It's like you said, um, he's got – he's quick and fast. Yeah. A lot of guys have great straight line speed, but, you know, they're one-trick ponies, as Mike Tomlin likes to call them. But if you have that quickness and that balance and, and that cutting ability, you know, we talked about Hill is a comparison. I don't, I've never considered Hill the number one option. To me, it's Travis Kelsey. He's yeah, the I, more. I never considered him the number one option either. I thought, yeah, was, he's the more Kelsey unstoppable and... guy. But having him opened up everything for Hill, you know, Austin could have that same situation if Deontay Johnson. Chase Claypool, George Pickens, one of these guys becomes a true one and takes that, you know, that double coverage and, and, and you know, that defensive influence. Man, Austin could be in some great situations. So it's really exciting. And, uh, and it's exciting to hear, what, you know, your comparisons and, and what you've seen in the past and how that might translate to the Steelers. Yeah, and I'll tell, I'll tell anyone this. If you're spectacle of what I'm saying and you're saying, you know, he's fast, he's not that fast. You know, he's, he's, he's fluffing or whatever. Turn on the 2021 Houston tape and watch the guy mm-hmm. first couple plays. He's think, think about it. He's playing NFL cornerbacks. He's playing guys who are taller than him, who have, who were drafted in the NFL this year. There were plays where he was two yards behind, you know, two yard behind, two yards behind these guys. And if there was, if there was a better throw, it was probably a catch and another two or three yards as well. Uh, you know, but there were plays, uh, you know, the first play of the game, he, or kind of like later on in the first quarter or early second quarter, uh, you know, Marcus Jones, who was drafted by the, the Patriots, who was someone I thought was a really good uh, cornerback in college and particularly was someone who I thought would, could translate in the NFL. He does one little quick hesitation move. He doesn't ever lose speed. Uh, you know, and that's kind of the biggest thing is guys will make hesitation moves and they'll they'll kind of lose that speed for a minute because they have to recover. He doesn't he doesn't have to lose that speed. He t- continues that speed and he separates for another yard. And in the NFL, if you can create a yard of separation by yourself, you're going to be you're you're going to be a quarterback's favorite weapon because you know in the NFL particularly guys aren't five yards open all the time Mm-mm. guys are you know there's the, the I think the term that everyone uses for quarterbacks and you know I think particularly it was like Kenny Pickett this year was uh, you know even like Malika Wilson stuff it was Kenny throw NFL open you know because there's mm-hmm. there's college open there's NFL open and they're two mm-hmm. completely different things uh, you know I think Calvin Austin can be NFL open a lot because of his route running ability and. You know, again, for short guys, a lot of short guys don't have that route running ability because they've never been taught it. They've always just been told you're faster than everyone else. Just go out, run a guy. 
he learned a lot of the wide receiver technique of like footwork and selling different routes and, you know, attacking weak spots in a cornerback and turning cornerbacks around. There's a lot of things that he did in college that I think can translate in the NFL, you know, particularly a lot more than another smaller guy. Like John Ross was a first round draft mm-hmm. because he was really fast, not because he had wide mm-hmm. receiver skills. Calvin Austin has wide receiver skills. So I think that's kind of what separates him from other guys. I don't know if you heard Sauce Gardner, who was the number one corner taken, but when they asked him who his toughest cover was, and he said Calvin Austin the third. I, so, I, I, I mean, you know, and that's the guy who's the number one corner taken. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Sauce Gardner didn't allow a touchdown in college, mm-hmm. and he played Jameson <laughs> Williams, who was a first round wide receiver. If he's telling you that the five foot seven guy from Memphis that he had mm-hmm. to play once a year for two years is the toughest wide receiver he has ever had to play. You listen to him because he didn't allow, he didn't allow a <laughs> touchdown in college. You know, he was, he played Jamison Williams and made Jamison Williams look like he was a pedestrian on the football field. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and Calvin mm-hmm. Austin had success against him. He's had success about, against NFL cornerbacks in the same sense of like, you know, if he was division two guy and, you know, I was sitting here trying to tell you that the division two guys really dang good. And, you know, if you put him against NFL cornerbacks, he'll do it. Did it. He did it at the senior bowl. He did it against NFL cornerbacks in college. I think there's enough NFL tape where you can look at it and go, yeah, you know what? He may as well be an NFL quarter, uh, you know, wide receiver. And the fact that he played a lot of guys who were NFL ready. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you, Kevin, for coming on the show. It's been great talking to you. Uh, we're going to, we're going to uh, give you a chance to, before you go plug, uh, what you do for everyone, and then we'll give you a chance to go and Shannon and I will finish off the show. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, I currently cover the American Athletic Conference for Underdog Dynasty, and, you know, I honestly, the best place to follow me would be on Twitter, at the Kevin Fielder. Uh, you know, you can you can come for my football takes and stay for my takes about fast food and, you know, sandwiches, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm a good follow, but I may as well be a fun follow, so. That's, I, I think, half the battle. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Thanks for being on. It, it's been absolutely f- fantastic talking to you. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, it's been a Appreciate great it, guys. Show. Anytime, man. All right. Thanks, man. All right, Shannon. Before we get on, I know, I know everyone in the live chat has been talking about it. Before we get on to the big Steelers news, really quickly, where do you think Calvin Austin ends up fitting into this, this you know, into this Steelers offense, put on your prediction hat, uh, numbers, you know, roll, whatever. Where, where do you think he fits on this team? Can he be the number three, number four receiver? Where do you think he ends up? I, I don't think it's a lack of ability. I just think he has Johnson, Claypool, and Pickens all ahead of him. So I'm expecting him to be the wide receiver for kind of a gadget player, you know, use this specific packages. I think he's going to make an impact. And I think that he will get an opportunity to return a punt or two. I just, I think with his acceleration and, you know, he's a little kamikaze. He's a little, you know, he's, uh, he's a daredevil. He hits him at holes at full speed. I could just see him taking a punt back at some point to, you know, for a touchdown. So I think he'll be a wide receiver four, and I think he'll make some impact. He could make more impact, but, uh, you know, barring injury, he's got three pretty good guys ahead of him. Well, I just, I just like to think while he was talking there and you were, you were listening off names. I was thinking, man, think of a, think of a, of a set where you've got Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pixens, Calvin Austin, the third and Pat Fryermuth all mm-hmm. out there on the field. 
Yeah. And they're like sitting there saying, okay, you know, our worst cornerback <laughs> is on Calvin Austin the third. Yeah. That's not a situation you want to be in. That's that's not a guy <laughs> you want to sit there and say, you know what, we got, you know, a guy like a James Pierre or a Justin Lane who's primarily a special teams guy, and all of a sudden, you know, they're they're sitting there lined up across from Calvin Austin the third. That's that's the scenario scenario I love to think yeah. about with this with this young man. But my my high end prediction for him, a little bit crazy here, you know. Uh if you look at how the Steelers used Deontay Johnson last year, he was not much of a deep threat, but they put him out there in space, mm-hmm. give him a lot of room to operate, and they really let him threaten with both out routes and anything going into the middle. And also they roll him deep, right? That's to me how you use Calvin Austin the third. You put him out there at X, yeah. give him space, mm-hmm. and you say you aren't whoever you have out there. They're not quick enough. They're not mm-hmm. going to be quick enough to cover this guy. Which is how Ben and AB torched the entire NFL is because you're not quick enough to stay with Antonio mm-hmm. Brown, and Ben's going to hit him as soon as he's open. It's it's just easy yards, and I think we could see that if Calvin Austin the third really develops. I think we could see him move into that role, and maybe you see Deontay Johnson. Out of the off the Steelers after this season, if Calvin Austin the third really shows something, obviously that's high end and way premature. Mm-hmm. But I think Calvin Austin the third has that kind of ability, especially if you don't ask him to be, you know, running like the Chase Claypool routes, running mm-hmm. those big power slants and the big posts deep and taking on safeties and stuff like that. If you're using him underneath and creating space, man, he's going to be really hard to deal with. Yeah, just get him the ball you know, in his hands, get him in space, in a mismatch. And it's so funny, last year you'd watch the offense and it was just so – it was just such a struggle. It was just – it was depressing. You know, you're just like, oh, man, they they almost had something there. Yeah. They didn't have that big play speed, that game-changing speed. Um, And now they might have two in Pickens and CA3. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it. And then when you throw in, like you said, even Fryermuth too, mm-hmm. but that that could be exciting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and if and if you've got Najee in there, and you're and this offensive line comes together, and you're actually running the ball, and some linebacker cheats up a little too far, you just Calvin Austin the third behind him, and boom, mm-hmm. you know you, he's over. running free it's on over. people. <laughs> Is there the possibilities are there if this offense gets working? Mm-hmm. It has weapons to really take off. Mm-hmm. Now, we need to switch gears and talk about the biggest news of the day, and that is the retirement of Stefan Tuitt. He announced his retirement today, June 1st. Uh, Shannon, what did Stefan Tuitt, what's the legacy he's leaving behind here in Pittsburgh? Stefan was, was an excellent player. I think in a lot of ways he might have been a better person. Um, he always spoke his mind. Uh, even when it wasn't popular, but he, you know, I admired that. Um, he he was a great teammate. You know, I hate what's happened, but I, I'm happy for him. If this is the direction that he feels like it, his life is leading him, um, I'm happy for him, and and I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, you know, you have to have a passion to play at the highest level, or anything you do in life, you have to have a passion to be successful at the highest level. And that's why I've said all off season, I wanted him to, to try to move another direction is if nothing more, just insurance, because I was concerned about that. And 
even though Hayward and Lulu and different guys keep saying, oh, he's working and he's coming back. It, you see guys come back, try to come back too soon because they love football so much. You know, they couldn't stay away. I mean, home life is, you know, he's going through all this terrible stuff. That could have been his escape. For some, for some people, the workplace or the athletic field is an escape. But for him, it, it wasn't. You know, he didn't look at it that way. And once you lose that passion, it was time to move on. But I wish him nothing but the best, him and his family. And, and uh, to me, he'll always be one of the best defensive ends in Steeler history, even though he only played eight years. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. I always, I always thought of him, whenever I saw him play, whenever I watch his film, I always thought of the, the phrase like a bull in the china shop. Because mm-hmm. to it was just – like you'd watch plays and you're like, I think he went away from where he was supposed to be. Like you could, you could tell he was kind of had a responsibility. He didn't care. He was blowing up the play. Like he's in the backfield right in front of the running back. You know what? He's just in there blowing stuff up. And it, and it always, I loved it as the team went on and you got into 2019, 2020, where he really took off, where he really shined. And you saw how the Steelers basically set him loose. And we're just like, go create havoc. And, you know, Cameron Hayward, Bud Dupree, TJ Watt, the, the linebackers, they can all figure out how to, like, the, how to make the play work after you just, just wreck stuff. And he was so good at that. And that combined with that smile he always had for me, mm-hmm. I loved it. He, he, he had that, like, he had almost like a, a, a child, like, like a kid atmosphere around him where he mm-hmm. would, he could just go in just absolutely do crazy stuff. Just go in there, give it his all, have a smile on his face. He was always having fun. And I agree with you that if, that if, you know, when the the moment football stops being fun, the moment Mm -hmm. it stops being worth the work, you're not going to be good. You're not going to be good enough. You're not going to be the player you were. Uh, So, you know, I I wish him all the best. I wish him and his family all the best. And, And Hey, like uh, Chuck Knoll said, you get, you get on with your life's work, and it's time for Stefan Tuitt to get on with his life's work, and hope it's a good one. We have a super chat. Shannon, are you ready? Mm. Let's be ready to you. I'm from Kentucky, so I'm a country boy. Shannon says he's born and raised a West Virginia country boy. Can I hear your best yeehaw? Yeehaw! <laughs> <laughs> Shannon, why you be an honorary Duke boy with that yell? fantastic oh man all right so we talked about stuff on to it i do want to quickly handle uh i I actually want to give a shout out uh to dave schofield if anyone caught the scobro show yesterday Mm -hmm. david schofield he's talked about it he's talked about it on slack he's talked about different times but he was like he even said he's like i don't really want to bring this i haven't really wanted to talk about this but june 1st is a significant Mm -hmm. day because if stuff on to it retired before June 1st, his entire like nearly 10 million cap hit for the rest of his signing bonus uh, would all come due immediately on, on the books for the 2022 season. If he waits till June 1st, the Steelers have the option to split that in half and take just under 5 million this year and just under 5 million next year. It comes to June 1st. He, he called it last night. He's like, there's a possibility you could see news happen if he's going to retire, it, it it could be tomorrow, and it did. That's where it came out. 
so I've heard a lot of people saying, you know, I wish he would have let the Steelers know. I wish he could have, you know, had them prepared for it. Stefan Tuitt couldn't formally announce his retirement before June 1st and also help the Steelers not be in trouble with the salary cap. So that's, I, I want to get that out there for people wondering about that. Once he announces it, you once you announce your retirement, you can't be like, hey, I'm retiring effectively June 1st. No, you've, mm-hmm. you when you retire, you retire. So the Steelers most likely knew. I imagine what happened is Stephon Tuitt came and said, hey, you know what? This, this is my imagination. Not I don't have any insider knowledge. But I imagine he came to him and said, hey, you know what? I think I'm done. And the Steelers said, well, look, you know, if you're going to retire, uh, we, we'd prefer you retire after June 1st, June 1st or after. So, you know, take time, think it over. And if on June 1st, you still want to retire, then make it official, right? So that it actually was a process, you know? And, and I believe that's most likely what happened. And the Steelers, I, I have an article coming out. I did one a little earlier about uh, how Stefan Tuitt's decision would affect the Steelers coming back, whether he was full strength coming back, whether he was limited by injury coming back, or whether he didn't come back at all. Uh, and I, I laid some plans out there on, on their depth chart. Obviously, they have cap space right now to go out and try and bring somebody in. Shannon White, do you think the Steelers need to bring someone in? Do you think they will bring someone in? Looking at that situation, uh, if you were if you were the Steelers, would you go with what they have right now and kind of use that cap money elsewhere or save it? Or do you think it's it's a priority for the Steelers to bring in somebody that can fill stuff onto its shoes? You already know what I think from our Slack channel discussions. Uh, I have to make a couple observations. I believe that last year that he approached them and said, I think I'm done. And they're like, well, don't make any haste decisions, you know, wait, see how this, you know, you know, we'll, we'll say, Hey, you you know, your knees bothering you, everything like that. For them to take Leal, Anthony Wilbar pointed it out today. I think that was saying they kind of knew that to it wasn't coming back. It it also says a lot about what they think about Leal. So that, that bodes well. And I, and I'm excited about that. However, I feel like they need, now that it's, you know, they know the plan. They know what's, you know, that he's retired. They need to pick up a veteran, proven veteran, uh, run stopper. And I was really high on Hicks, and we've talked about him before. And then, of course, yesterday, I think Tampa Bay realized what might happen, and they're like, we're going to sign him the day before. And that was yeah. smart. But there is other guys out there, Dominican Sue and, and, um, uh, Williams and there's you know some guys that are proven run stuffers. The reason why that's important, we know what Wormley can do. Louder Milk, we we're thinking it's going to take that next step. And those two guys, uh, and and also Martavius Adams, Montravius. I'll say his name wrong, but him and uh, Adams and Wormley are more pass rush guys. You know, Adams has got—he's that quick twitch guy who can penetrate, mm-hmm. and then Wormley has shown he's really good. In you know, but he's not a full-time starter. When you start him, his lack of functional strength and, and ability to you know play the run gets exposed. If they bring in a guy, even if it's a a guy who's a defensive tackle, say like Williams, Brandon Williams, you could slide a little Lou out 
to play to its own position. And that way you you know you still because Alulu can play either effectively. Yep. And but they need another guy because we just don't know about ladder milk yet. And we always are proven until he proves himself. Yep. So I, I believe that the one reason they didn't do anything, as you said, was because if they would have signed somebody earlier, then everybody would have, you know, okay, yeah, two is leaving, two is leaving. So to create, stop there from being a circus and unnecessary drama, they've waited. And I, I do think they're going to bring in somebody. Okay. My my thought on this, and I, I will, there's an article coming, I think possibly tomorrow I have coming out on this. Uh, one of the questions I have is the Steelers normally carry six defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. If you go six deep on their roster right now, obviously Cameron Hayward's number one. Uh, Alu Alu, number two. Let's go Wormley, then Loudermilk. That's four. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Montrevious Adams, and you've got DeMarvin Leal. That's your six. Mm-hmm. If you add a new player, Wormley, Loudermilk, Adams, Leal, someone's gone. And those are pretty good names. Those are some pretty good players that bring bring some really good strengths to the team. Uh, I, I don't think you could cut them on Travis Adams and sign a defensive end. Obviously, you'd need a nose tackle at that point. You need a backup that can play inside. Uh, and what we really need is a defensive end because we're going to be okay in the in the two defensive linemen when we go four-man fronts and it's oh, yeah. going to be Highsmith and Watt and then two defensive linemen. We're going to be okay there. We've got guys for that. It's when we go into a 3-4 set, if teams try what they tried last year and run power at us there, who's the guy opposite Cameron Hayward locking down and and facing off against the run? We know Wormley's not that guy. Isaiah Bugs wasn't that guy. Montrevious Adams came in and really helped secure things simply because he could anchor against a double team. Like He's not a great run stopper, but he could could anchor against the double team and not get blown up. The Steelers need someone there, and the question to me is, between DeMarvin Leal and Isaiah Loudermilk developing from his first season, do they have that player on the roster? And that's the question the Steelers have to ask themselves. Do we have that player on the roster right now, or do we need to go bring in that player? And they've got a little bit of time here. They're in OTAs. They're seeing Mm. these guys start to work out. They're getting an idea of where they are. And I think it's going to be very interesting and telling what the Steelers do going forward here. If we remember, last year, the Steelers carried how many inside linebackers? Yeah, they I carried it. They carried what, eight? Yeah, five, six, seven. Like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, they carried a lot. Yeah, and I, I think there's going to be one fewer inside linebacker. You could put Lee Leal on the depth chart. It don't matter. Put him at edge. Yeah, you know they Stewart's just signed or re-signed to Sarah Skipper today. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. I saw yeah. that. So, but you know, Leal could easily be on the depth chart. He could be uh, on at, on an outside linebacker position. You know, he can still drop inside, so you know, and play there. But I think you'll see one less inside linebacker this year, at least one, uh, and. I think you'll see uh, an extra defensive lineman. And, and that's why I think they'll still pick up somebody. Because I really think they need to because, you know, I said today, what if Hayward was to get hurt? Oh, yeah. It's a disaster. It would be oh, a Hayward's, disaster. In you my opinion, Hayward if Cameron Hayward field. goes down for the season, just cancel the rest of the season. Yeah. Don't even like, don't even bother <laughs> playing. Cameron, like, 
He's not Especially if you're going to try to run with him too, undersized middle linebacker. Yeah. You know, they're they're, they're speed guys. Yes, they need the beef up there. Yes. Mm hmm. That's going to, it's going to be interesting, especially (laughs) with Brian Flores in presumably taking over the front seven. You know, how, how is this, this front seven going to work? How are they going to redo all the schemes, the blitzing, everything? We're going to see a lot. And it's, it'll be telling what they do, what they do with this position. If they bring in a guy, if they choose not to, if they bring in a, you know, a smaller defensive line, or if they bring in a big space eater, there's going to be a lot that's going to tell us a lot about where this defense is trying to go, how they react to the retirement of Stefan to it. Shannon, we're running out of time here. So I'm going to give you a chance to let us know what you got coming, what, what people can, uh, what people can look forward to from you. Uh, tomorrow morning, I've got an article dropping. Uh, it's uh, talking about the secondary and how that James Pierre and Justin Lane uh, are two guys that's not only competing with each other for a roster spot now, but they have quite a bit of competition. And how yeah. the Brian Flory's influence, and especially if, if his aggressive nature, if it permeates into the defense this year, and they could play some more man coverage and get up there and, and play a little more bump and run. If they're able to do that, I think both of them can prosper. In, in, you know, if they're allowed to be more aggressive, if they got to do this five yards off soft zone, neither one of them can run with guys if they can't get their hands on it. And so I, I think the Brian Flores factor is going to really help decide who ends up making the team and not. So that's what the article's about. And, um, and that's about all I got going on right now. All right. I have uh, an article coming soon, probably maybe tomorrow, uh, on uh, the 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 situation with Stefan Tuick on. I go into both depth charts. Like, really, the defensive line is two depth charts. There's a three-man front depth chart. There's a two-man front depth chart to really get into what the Steelers need to work on with Stefan Tuick gone. What is the need in that situation? Really dive deep into that. I've got that coming out. Uh, Dave Schofield and I worked on this before before this idea. Maybe maybe you know Dave had a premonition or something. But uh, we have a vertex coming out on Chris Wormley, what he brings. Uh, obviously, I've I've been on record before. Everyone knows he he was taken advantage of in run defense during the season. Mm-hmm. But I get more specific into that, into what parts of run defense he's good at, what parts of run defense he's not, and why he is actually a pretty valuable player for the Steelers. As long as you can keep him out of certain situations, that's coming out soon. Uh, so, so look forward to that. Great show today. We had a great time with our guests talking Calvin mm-hmm. Austin the third, talking Stefan to it. Uh, I thank everyone in the live chat for being participating. It was I was reading that, having a good time reading the live chat <laughs> while we were while we were talking here. Uh, as always, check out all this behind the steel curtain podcast and check out behindthesteelcurtain.com. This offseason, we're covering everything, all the steps, every part of it. You you can get your news. You can get your coverage. You can get your discussions, your opinion pieces, all of it on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and on our Behind the Steel Curtain podcast. Thank you all for being here. Thank you, Shannon. Uh, thanks again to our guest. And as always, have a good week, everyone. Go Steelers.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.